Hello there, friends. Welcome to Take Me to Eternity with Leah Fiore Tracy. I am the host of this podcast. Today, I'm just going to dive right in. I've been doing a lot of digging into the conscience and um, what it is, how it works, and why we need to pay attention to it. So today, that's what I'm going to talk about. The conscience is our internal warning system that helps to stay within our moral value system, our awareness of what is right and wrong. It's something God puts inside of us to be able to be warned of doing what is wrong when we have no external law. The 1828 Webster Dictionary defines it as internal or self-knowledge or judgment of right and wrong or the faculty power of principle within us, which decides on the lawfulness or unlawfulness of our own actions and affections and instantly approves or condemns them. Conscience is called by some writers, the moral sense, the considered uh, and considered as an original faculty of our nature. Others question the propriety of considering conscience as a distinct faculty of principle. They consider it rather as the general principle of moral approbation or disapprobation applied to one's own conduct and affections, alleging that our notions of right and wrong are not to be deduced from a single principle or faculty, but from various powers of the understanding and will. That's a whole lot of jargon. I totally get it. I read these definitions so we can be on the same page. And if it's confusing, it's just a bunch of big words. We'll get into what that's talking about. And I believe that um, both camps are right. I think that our conscience is given to us by God. And um, also that it can be changed, manipulated, twisted um, to a certain degree by the things around us, by ourselves, by um, society. The Bible talks about conscience a lot, and it is absolutely multifaceted. It's a huge part of human interaction. We are guided by our conscience, believers and unbelievers alike. Our conscience is not to be confused with our feelings. Our feelings are subject to change, Our conscience can change, but not like our feelings. Our feelings change with the wind sometimes. And changes quickly they do. We can have strong emotional responses to things, and that doesn't mean your conscience is guiding you. We can be guided by our conscience and be guided wrong. Our conscience isn't always right. It's part of us, and we are only human. We're not infallible, so it isn't either. It can be influenced by our culture, our parents, and ourselves, but we should pay attention to it and assess its health by what the Bible says is right and wrong. As believers, that's our plumb line, right? That's what we hold everything up next to and say, okay, is it healthy? You know, if it's a healthy conscience, a healthy conscience is going to look at what the Bible says and um, it's going to be aligned to that, right? Our conscience can be seared like a, with a branding iron. And when it's seared, we don't feel the wrongness of what we can do because now we have a thick layer of scar tissue over it. We can know what we're doing is wrong and yet not feel bad about it. 
We can also have a lying conscience, which ends up saying something is okay that it's not. Um, I think that happens a lot when we excuse ourselves, when we um, look at something that we know was wrong and then um, excuse it and excuse it away. Try and make it something that isn't, oh, it's not that bad. I didn't mean it like that. I should, you know, it's okay that I did this because, right? So we have a view of this in Adam and Eve's fall. 1 Timothy 2.14 says, And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Eve was being deceived into doing something she knew she ought not to be doing, and she sinned when deception was, um, when, when the thing that she wanted overrode what she knew to be right, right? But it says it was not Adam who was deceived. He knew better, but he did it anyways. Eve's conscience lied to her when she was deceived by Satan, saying that the fruit looked good and it was profitable, right? That, that was a lie. Um, so we can have a lying conscience. We know there are people out there that call evil good and good evil. People who are wise in their own eyes that is a really dangerous thing, and I think we should be careful to not be wise in our own eyes, to hold things up to scripture to see where they fall. It may not specifically say something about every single thing, but if we know what God says in the Bible, we can assess things with a proper judgment. We know that the Bible doesn't say a word about abortion, that, that word's not in the Bible, but it does tell us that murder is wrong. It tells us that we are formed in our mother's womb by God and that God knows every part of you and has plans for you since before time was. You know, he, he's had this all planned out since before he made anything. So we can look at that and say, well, obviously abortion's wrong. It's murdering someone who's an image bearer of God. When we know God's word well, and we search to know what's right and wrong, we can find answers in his word with prayerful contemplation because, you know, again, we can lead ourselves astray. People can um, do things zealously and do it wrong or do it, you know, for the wrong things. Look at people worshiping Baal and Satan and all the different, you know, they're, they can zealously worship the wrong thing and zealously do the wrong thing. So we do need to hold it up to scripture. That's what it's there for, you know. Um, when we justify the things that are wrong, we're putting evil for good. When we take something that is good, like God, and say that God is wrong, mean, or evil, we're taking good and calling it evil. It's taking the most pure thing and attempting to desecrate it. When we say, I shouldn't feel shame or guilt, when in actuality you've done things in order to feel that, you're saying, God, I don't need to be warned. I just want to keep on sinning. The guilt and the shame are a blessing in order to keep us from the things that will harm us or harm others. It's meant to lead us to the cross and bring us to a place ready for repentance, you know, like a real repentance. It's like pain. There are people who don't feel pain and they are a huge danger for themselves because they don't know when their nerves aren't responding correctly. 
They don't know when they're they're uh, damaging themselves. You know, they, they can't feel how hard they're pressing or how hard they're rubbing or, you know, the thing that's sinking into them, cutting them. They can't feel that, and it's a danger. They can do really um, severe life-changing damage because their nerves aren't responding correctly. And, you know, we can do life-altering damage if our conscience isn't working properly or if we're not listening to it. Um, just look at the lepers, you know, the lepers that um that disease is actually a disease of the nerves and people say oh your nose falls off and your toes fall well no you rub them off because you can't feel them um so their life is at a risk because they can't feel pain and our society says no no pain is bad that's how it is with shame and guilt also you know, we should feel it and we should, it should lead us to repentance where God can take that away. He can clean us of all the guilt and shame. Though like everything else, there are times that we feel it and we have no reason. You know, it's part of our fallen self. We don't function properly and um, we can not forgive ourselves when God has already forgiven us of something that we've done. You know, he can... Um, take the guilt and shame away from us so long as we allow him to because we can just hold on to that. The Bible talks about the conscience as such a huge part of knowing and growing as humans. Like the law, we are given a conscience to show us our sin, a way for us to look and see the egg on our face, hopefully before it gets there, to see the imperfections and in trying to keep it to see the impossibilities of it. Um, though it helps to hold us back in so many cases from the things God says are wrong. As an unbeliever, our conscience condemns us and is a witness because as Romans 2:14 through 16 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. And that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On, that, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. So, you know, the law is written on our hearts and we can obey the law. That's... That is why um, unbelievers can be moral to certain degrees also. You know, they have it written on their hearts. They know there's no excuse. God gave us the law, but he also gave us a warning system for when we're violating it. Our conscience is a kind of warning system. It alerts us to what's okay and what is not okay. We have the law written on our hearts. Our conscience shows us this, and in the end, we will be accused or defended by it. Even when the world says something is right and good, we can feel that it isn't because God wired us to know without being told, though sometimes our wiring can be twisted. When we are alerted and ignore our conscience, we feel shame and guilt. It's meant as a compass to guide us back to the Lord as unbelievers, we tend to fight against this warning system, but when we become believers, 
we are to tend to it, to pay attention to it and cultivate the ground that it grows so that it grows properly. You know, we're supposed to uh, line it up next to the word, recalibrate it. When we turn it off enough times when it's warning us, eventually we don't hear or feel or see it anymore when we're heading into trouble. It's like driving around with your check engine light on for long enough. You know, I'm sure most people have dealt with that annoying check engine light. Eventually, if you do it long enough, you don't even notice it anymore. If we ignore our check self-light too long, we will effectively tune it out. We live in a society that says to feel guilty is wrong, to feel shame is wrong, but there's a good reason to feel both. When we do something harmful, our bodies tell us that hurts, that it tells, our bodies tell us that it hurts in order to deter us from doing it again. When we tell people they shouldn't feel guilt over wrong, we're telling them to disregard what their conscience is telling them because it's wrong. When people feel no guilt or shame over the wrong that they do, that's called a psychopath. You know, we are effectively disarming people from the thing that is supposed to help guide them, their guidance system. When they don't have the Lord, they don't have anything else, you know? The conscience also excuses us when we do the right thing. Sometimes it reminds us in that moment when we're responding properly, but someone's acting like we did something wrong. We're, we're supposed to pay attention to our conscience and also to make sure that it's properly calibrated. But sometimes, you know, it's flashing warning systems and there's nothing wrong with it. We can sear our conscience and make it harder to feel the wrongness of our actions, though, as I was talking about. We can be saved and our conscience can still be warped if we don't realign it with scripture. If we have a condemning conscience as an unbeliever, it can drive us to the cross because we can see we are condemned and need saving and that we can't, we, we can't do it on our own. But if we're believers and we're saved, a condemning conscience might be a reason to dig into the scriptures more because through them is how we are confident in our standing with Christ. Because in Christ, we have assurance of his grace and mercy. And sometimes we need to be reminded of his truths through the word of God in order to um, be reminded that, you know, we are secure. It's not on us. The world tells us, you know, you have to do. And we don't. Jesus did it. We have to accept, right? After we accept, then we can do. <laughs> Not to be saved, though. I really love to see how entwined it is with our life as humans. It shows so much of us as individuals. Knowing what it is and how we can shape it really helps with our growth and maturity as believers. We have to know that as we are sanctified, the Holy Spirit is molding our conscience and training it. That though God gave us this compass, we can mess it up and build up scar tissue so we don't feel like we ought to. It reminds me of the verse talking about when people defy God enough and refuse to turn from their sin knowing it's wrong. He eventually hands them over to it. And that's like a scary thought for me, you know. 
Um, I don't want to be so hardened of heart and so defiant that I get handed over to my sin because that's not okay. Our conscience is a huge part of the good news. As a non-believer, you are condemned by your conscience because we have God's law written on our hearts. We have his moral code printed in us, and though we can choose to do wrong regardless, it's there and can guide us or be a deterrent. We can sear it and in turn not feel the weight of what we are doing or we can be steered by it and more accurately live. The world helps to shape our conscience, and the more we sin, the less accurately we feel it. Or should I say, the more we allow sin to take root, the less accurately we feel it. That's part of why non-believers can still do good things. It helps shape us believers and unbelievers alike, like I already said. Though, as believers, we ought to be in tune with listening to it and making sure that we're constantly lining it up with Scripture. We don't want it to stay wrongly calibrated. You know, that's why you say, at least for me, um, Lord, search my heart, you know. That's what David said. Search my heart and know me and tell me what's wrong with me. Totally paraphrased. Um, we're creatures who do tend to get shaped by our surrounding culture. And as Christians, we need to make sure that we form our conscience around what the Bible says is right and wrong and not what the world says, or else we will end up warping it by the world's standards. Jeremiah six fifteen through 16 says, were, were they ashamed because of the abominations they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They didn't even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they say, we will not walk in it. <laughs> You're not going to walk in it. He's telling you. It says they were not even ashamed at all. They didn't even know how to blush. That's something that can happen to anyone who listens to the world more than God, who hardens their hearts against him, who rejects their conscience, their consciences, nudges, and continues doing the thing it's warning you against. Who does wrong and rejects the feeling of shame or guilt, saying, I have no reason to feel bad. I didn't do anything wrong. I think any one of us can think of something that we have disregarded and done away with enough times that we don't even feel bad about doing it anymore, though we know it isn't the right thing to do. This can happen with movies, music, TV shows even. Things we know aren't healthy for us, and yet we partake in it. And, you know, this can happen to unbelievers and believers. You know, we harden our hearts, we desensitize ourselves to worldly things, and we excuse it. Yet it says... Thus says the Lord, stand by the way and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, it's telling you how to get rest for your soul right there. You know, do you think the people who didn't blush and um, said, no, I'm not walking in the way that I know I ought to are going to get rest for their souls? It's very sad watching the world and how sad they are right now because they aren't at peace 
No matter how many people say, peace, peace, they're not at peace. This is where we go to scripture and see the ancient ways. By what standard do we live? How do we cal recalibrate our conscience? I really think we need to do what we know we ought to do, regardless of how we feel about it. I know people who say the Holy Spirit will convict me, and that's absolutely true. But just like the conscience, we have to listen, and sometimes we don't realize how thick our callus is. We don't do it because we feel that we should do it. We do it because God says that's what we should do. God says witches are an abomination. I won't promote them or partake in them as being good. Just because God says they're an abomination, why find enjoyment or entertainment in them being good? I used to have no problem with witch shows and stuff. I really don't think there was a problem. I, I didn't think there was a problem watching shows that portrayed them as good until I read where it says that God says they're an abomination. If he says they're an abomination, why should I act otherwise? Why would I act like they're good or try and replace evil for good, you know? I believe that we should keep the evil with the evil and the good with the good and not try to muddy the waters or say something's okay when God says it isn't. I know a lot of people who feel differently because their conscience doesn't speak against that. And for me, you know, there's certain things um, that my conscience didn't speak against, like sugar skulls. And when it was brought to my attention that, um, you know, I'm talking about witches, I'm talking about all kinds of stuff, but sugar skulls, I liked sugar skulls. Well, that's something that's not okay because it's feeding right into another religion. And as soon as that was brought to my attention, it was like, okay, well, I guess this is something I shouldn't do because it's not honoring the Lord. And um, it's, it's dishonoring. It really is. So for me, however, I don't simply want to do what I feel is right only when I feel it. I want to do as God says, regardless of my feelings on the issue. And it's hard. I'm not perfect. I don't do it perfectly. Um, but this is something that I think that we should all take seriously. You know, as followers of Christ, we're supposed to look like him. Looking like him rejects evil, rejects worldly, um, not okay things, unpure, right? When we repent and turn to the Lord, he cleanses us, but sometimes our conscience needs some work to catch up. When we read the word, it washes us and helps to shape our conscience to adapt to God's will and weed out the junk that we have attached by the world and detached because of willful sin. I mean, it's really easy to um, not be in the word and spend more time in the world than in the word and when we do that it just adds junk to our thoughts and our heart and it's not needed it's not helpful um, we need to be in the word more period we all do i do hebrew ten twenty two says let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water so we can have our conscience cleaned. We can have an evil conscience and it can get cleaned. So all of those people out there that I talk so heavily against, you know, all of the false teachers and preachers, I pray for them. We all ought to be praying for them. They're, they can have an evil conscience and they can be cleansed. Period. 
We can have an evil conscience, one that prefers things that are wrong. Before we're saved, we are tainted, and one of the ways is that our conscience is skewed. We can do wrong, and our conscience can say nothing about it. And also, Jesus can clean our conscience, and we can still feel the filth of it, because we're stuck in it, and we're not uh, moving on, accepting that we're a new creature, you know, a new creation. The Holy Spirit works on our conscience as he sanctifies us and renews our mind. When we are unbelievers, we feel the condemnation of our conscience from all of our wrongdoing. We try to excuse it, though. That doesn't really change anything. We try to ignore it, which causes a host of other issues, but all in all, we can't fool God. And I think a lot of times, a lot of mental health issues, not all, I mean, by far not all, but a lot of mental health health issues are um, unchecked sins, you know, unchecked things that we're doing and we are feeling guilty about rightfully. Um, sometimes that's not the case, but I think more often, uh, very often it is, um, you know, our unchecked sin and our society wants to tell us that it is physical when a lot of times it is not all the time, you know, they don't want to put God into the equation. Nobody wants to talk about sin. It's not comfortable. Society tells us, um, yeah, you know, it just really gets to me. Sorry. The Holy Spirit works on a con our conscience and sanctifies us. When we're uh, unbelievers, we can feel the condemnation of our conscience from all our wrongdoing. We try to excuse it, though. It doesn't change anything. We try to ignore it, which causes a host of issues, but all in all, we can't fool God. That last part is what I forgot to put in there. We can't fool God. You know, we could try and fool ourselves. We can fool other people, but we can't fool God. Society tells us we ought not to feel bad about the things that we do, but deep down, we all know our own filth. We're just not willing to accept it or we think that it's not as bad as other people's because it's easier to look at other people's and think that theirs is worse. But God, he is so merciful that when we are saved, we can be cleansed from all the filth of before. Upon repentance and salvation, he can wash us clean, renew our mind, recalibrate us. We do, however, have to believe him or we can still live in our past wrongs and wrongful thinking, at least to a point. He's only going to leave us there for so long before he just keeps nudging us, you know? As long as we're in the Word, too, because, you know, if we're not uh, reading the Word, then we're not listening to his words, being cleansed by him. We have to acknowledge also that we do still have consequences sometimes from the things that we did in our past and accept that. Not that we still have the filth of the sin on us, but that we have done things that affect others or our bodies and we have to live with those consequences. We can't unhurt people, though we may want to. You know, I, I know I'd like to unhurt the people that I've hurt in the past. And we can try and fix relationships. We can't undo physical damage, and we can't undo psychological damage that we've done to others, though. Um, sin is harsh. It has consequences. Though God can fix it, um, it's not normally the case that all of the things are going to be taken away. You know, 
impacts are impacts and um, I know I am guilty of not treating somebody the best after they have sinned against me I sinned against God hurt me with their sin I guess is a better way to say it um, and we need to be better at that we need to be better at um, forgiving forgiveness is huge that also helps with our conscience though our conscience helps us to forgive because it tells us we need to so we must sit in God's word daily so that we can be constantly washed by the word or we will possibly listen more to the world and quickly forget in our hearts what God has done. We should be consistently looking to live out the life that God wants us to live and in a way that's honoring to him, following his ways and not the world. In that, we learn to be who he wants us to be and are cleansed in our conscience. Philippians 3.17-20 says, Brethren, join in following my example, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame who set their minds on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a savior. You know, it says, whose glory is in their shame. There's some people that um, they find their glory in the things that they do that are shameful. It's where they get their, um, they find their delight in that, and it's very sad. We should be fellowshipping with godly people so that we have examples of godly lives. This can help us to see how to walk and have confidence in our walk. It teaches us how to be the people God wants us to be and love others correctly and well. One thing that we need to understand also is that we can have a weak conscience, one that is overly sensitive and condemns us for things that aren't wrong. A weak conscience can make something that's okay bad, but it cannot make something that is bad okay. This isn't something to be ashamed of, nor is it something we are called to change. One man may say drinking any alcohol is a sin, but the Bible says being drunk is a sin, and that alcohol in its proper place is said to be a blessing from God, not saying that everybody should be drinking because that's not what I'm saying at all. It's not how it is. Um, it can be a blessing from God, or you can have issues with it and you shouldn't drink. But the, the Bible does teach that alcohol is fine as long as you don't misuse it. One can say eating meat is a sin, but the Bible says that it isn't what goes into a man that's sinful, but what comes out of him. Or one man can say that you have to have your Sabbath on one day, Yet another man realizes or considers each day is holy. This is where we need to be aware of those places and weaknesses and be intentional to not stumble people with them, not stumble over them ourselves because if we have a weak conscience, we have to pay attention to it and listen to it. And um, again, it's not something to be ashamed of. And if our brother or sister has a weak conscience, you know, we're not told to change that. We're, we're told to, um, to, 
to change ourselves around them so we don't stumble them, right? Some people have a weak conscience, and if they do the thing that's against their conscience to them, it is a sin. And that we aren't called to change them. We don't want to stumble them by getting them to do what is against their conscience. We are in effect teaching them to disregard their warning system. That's God's job, changing it, not ours. You know, we can talk to people about uh, having a insensitive conscience, but a weak conscience is a whole nother story. Um, if you're going to, you have to do it very gently. A weak conscience isn't called to be changed, but an insensitive conscience is. We are to recalibrate it to the word of God and do what God says is right, regardless of how we feel about it. We aren't told to tell people when what they think is a sin isn't, but we are called to correct when someone is sinning against God. Um, it's okay to be overly sensitive with your conscience. It's not okay to be undersensitive. That's something that we are called to change. We can have different views with our conscience and we are supposed to listen to it regardless if someone else holds different views. This is when we can say maybe God's teaching us through our conscience what's okay for us and what's not okay or what's okay for somebody else that's not okay for us, vice versa, whatever. I may be able to drink and not have a problem with it when someone else can not even be around alcohol. Um, I can eat meat. Other people might not be able to. This is where we want to make sure that we are not doing things to stumble them, though. Uh, we can't try to line them up with our conscience. We can't try to make them fit into our um, understanding is of what's okay. You know, if we have liberty, that's great, but but we can't make them also have freedom because in that they are sinning against their conscience. If the Bible doesn't speak against something, then we can have freedom so long as it doesn't stumble them. We are called to be intentional with being careful not to offend someone with a weak conscience. We are not to do things in front of them that if you have a weak conscience isn't okay. At that point, the Bible says, just have your freedom in private. I think all of us have had a weak conscience or have a weak conscience in some area or another. The Bible doesn't tell us we need to fix it. God may, through the Holy Spirit and Scripture, help you to see that the things that you thought was a sin or think are a sin aren't. Uh, we aren't told, however, to strive to change it because, you know, God knows better than us and it's for a reason. But having a weak conscience, we are told to listen to it, not to violate it, because what one believes is a sin, if they do it, is a sin to them. That goes with making things stricter, though, because when you look at freedom, we need to know that just because we don't feel convicted doesn't mean it is right. And we need to be aware of that also. In saying all of the oughts and ought nots, all of the we should do this and we shouldn't do that, I have to say, thank God that we are saved by his grace through faith in him alone. Otherwise, we'd all be doomed. Our conscience is there to guide us to the one that can save us. 
It's there to help us navigate this world and do what's right and avoid what's not only wrong, but also dangerous. Things that can hurt us and hurt others or um, are offensive to God. You know, when we sin, it's an offense to God. As the law is, it points us to God and shows us our lack and our need for him. I'm so glad that I am not required to be perfect because I know how badly I fail. The point, though, is that we should care and keep our eyes on God, wanting to please him because we love him, because he loves us. We read our Bibles so we can know God's will for us, know how to love others properly, how to live out this life in a way that honors him and know him better, so that we can align ourselves with him better. It's like we have a view and we need corrective lenses. The Bible's our corrective lens. Our conscience is our radar that warns us about the reality of a situation. We have to accept the warning though. Sanctification functions on those same principles. First, our conscience needs to be properly informed about the truth in order to properly warn us. False information confuses things. False information muddies our view, but knowing truth as it is helps us to see more clearly. There's a great story in the Bible in 2 Kings 22 about King Josiah. I'm going to paraphrase it, so bear with me. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. It says he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, he sent someone to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord. He wanted to clean the temple up, so he saw that the temple was in shambles. Um, they had been getting money, you know, they got tithes to help take care of the temple. And he's like, Okay, go. Uh, have the money counted and give it to the people who need it to be given to so that they can fix it up. So um, when they were doing that, they found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. So they brought it to the king and read it to him. It says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And it goes on to say, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us, because our fathers have not listened to the words of the book to do according to all that is written concerning us. The word of God aroused his conscience. You know, he knew wrong was being done because of what he heard. When we live according to what we feel is right, we can then read the word and realize we aren't doing as good as we thought we were. The law shows us our wrong. The word of God shows us how to be and who to be. There's power in the word. You know, good teaching is also super helpful. If we are not under good teaching, there, it causes a lot of problems. It makes life harder. You know, it, it makes your walk harder. And it's hard to undo the things that um, were taught under bad teaching. Um, trust me, it's I'm testament of that. I, I have sat under some bad teaching, not by my pastor, but um, 
I've had to undo things, you know. Bad teaching can dull our conscience and our discernment. So let's read Jeremiah 6, 13 through 16. We've already read part of this, but I'm going to back up a little bit. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not ashamed at all. They were not even ashamed at all. They didn't even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall amongst those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. It's the only time you're going to hear me say God says or thus saith the Lord, just so you know. Um, bad teaching makes us feel secure when we're teetering on the edge of disaster. It says peace, peace, where there is no peace. It tells us we're good when we live wickedly and doesn't require change for salvation. It just requires lip service. It says abortion's an option, that you love who you love. But when we see the good way and walk in it, we find rest for our souls. And I am a testament to that. You know, with all of the anxiety I have dealt with my entire life, the never-ending anxiety and um, just all the issues that I had. Where I'm at now, to have anxiety, you know, every once in a while I get anxious. It's pretty amazing. When we study the Word and understand our holy God and His ways, we have peace. Unfortunately, so many refuse to walk in it. They just refuse. They know you know, there's this way that we should be walking, but they don't want to. Mike Winger said, We are called as believers to expose sin and awaken the conscience of those around us. I thought that was a great quote because I know how godly people have aroused my conscience. I'm greatly appreciative of that. So many don't want to hear what they're doing wrong, but how do you correct yourself if no one tells you? And why do you not value godly people who love you and are doing it because they love you, you know? Part of recalibrating our conscience is listening to it. Doing what we know we should because we know it's right. Doesn't matter how we feel. If God says don't do something, don't do it, and our conscience will follow. Sometimes when we do something and know it isn't right, we don't feel the wrongness of it. We simply know we shouldn't do it. And when we decide not to do it because we know we shouldn't, eventually we see the wrongness of it. That's part of our obedience to God, isn't it? Doing the things because he says and not because of our feelings. Um, everyone can walk in their own way and do what they feel is right. And um, if you read the Bible... You'll see where that ends up for them. It's not good. Giving our bodies as living sacrifices and being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can discern what is good and pleasing to the Lord. It's what we're supposed to be doing. 
<clears throat> so what do we do when we disagree with someone? When our consciences disagree? When one has a weak conscience and one doesn't? For one, we don't stumble our brother by our freedom. If you don't have a weak conscience and you can do things, you need to be careful about what you're doing around um, a brother or sister who has a weak conscience because we don't want them to disregard their conscience and sin against it. You know, it's that's us, that's us um, bringing them into sin, us ushering them in and saying, it's okay, go ahead. You know, it may be... It may be okay for us to do certain things and their conscience tell, tells them no, so they need to not do that. The one, uh, we need to make sure our freedom doesn't make them excuse something that they shouldn't be doing. The one who has a weak conscience shouldn't despise the one who has more freedom. And the one who has more freedom shouldn't look down on his brother with a weaker conscience. We need to live together in love, and part of love is sometimes just letting God sort him out. I do believe that there's a time to rebuke, because we are told that there is, but it isn't clear when, at every single time, unless it's a salvation issue. You know, it's not something that you need to go around and look for sin in your brother or sister's life. I promise you, you'll find it. You know, we all sin and um, we don't need to go picking everybody apart. But um, when it's a salvation issue, we absolutely need to talk about it and be called out on it. You know, I'd like to be called out if I'm speaking wrongly of the Lord for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying don't voice your opinion like it's important to talk to your brothers and sisters about what's going on and be like, you know, we have an issue or whatever. Uh, but don't lose friends over anything that's a secondary issue, you know? Uh, women preaching in a church, to me, secondary issue. It's not salvific. It's just not. And um, young earth, old earth, not salvific, you know? I'd love to discuss things with people. We can be complete opposites. That's fine. I love having those discussions, but um, it is just me learning about the way they view things, and um, I'm not going to divide over it by any means. There are things that I don't agree with that I'm sure most of you would be surprised to know. I actually do just sit back sometimes and not say anything about. Just saying. I know it's surprising. Though some think just voicing things is condemnation, it's not. You know, we're allowed to have our opinions and we're allowed to voice them. Um, if it's a false teacher, somebody who speaks publicly, that needs to be called out. It needs to be called out um, in a loving way. But, you know, they're talking publicly, so talk publicly. That's important. Let's, let's help our brothers and sisters not get stumbled. They can all decide whether they agree with you or not. There are things that I think are clear that aren't saving issues. And though I have no problem stating my opinion, I refuse to divide over them. And I can love others and listen to them and discuss with them and have fruitful discuss discussions, even when we absolutely don't agree, even almost. We need to care more about others than ourselves. We need to talk more about this stuff. I mean, this needs to be like 
we should be able to talk about this. Um, how else do we grow if we're not willing to talk to each other about things that are hard, things that we don't agree with, things that we do agree with, you know? We should be talking about the Lord all the time so we can be working out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? We need to be concerned with how we treat other people's convictions more than our own liberty, though. So if we have more freedom, then we need to like not badger them with the fact that they don't have as much freedom. It's less about what we are free to do and more about like what we're promoting to others is okay that could harm them. So the person who has the stronger conscience needs to be the one that needs to be like very concerned with what we are doing to stumble others. Um, I think that's part of being all things to all men, you know, is just trying to make sure that we, uh, when we understand that a friend has a problem with something, we're intentional to be careful with them with that, you know, um, not do certain things around them that are going to cause problems. Our conscience is so important. It's something that we need to listen to and use God's lens to see properly with. I really hope that this has been helpful and not confusing. I hope that this has been edifying. Um, I really love you guys, and I pray that you have a blessed day. So let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, please guide us in cleansing our conscience, in growing in our ability to feel and be secure, in being guided by our built-in radar. Help it to be calibrated properly aligned with you by your word. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' perfect name. Amen.